you? Why did you talk at the same time as me? I think that's lag. Oh! <laughs> I think your face is lag. You're off to a good start. <laughs> yeah, I've been drinking. Because I went to see a friend, and it's a high school friend. Yeah. Well, two of them. Yeah. And we just, like, talked and drank and reminisced about old times. Yeah. The thing is, she's like, we're, we're really close, so it's like, whatever. And she kept filling out my wine, but I, I didn't notice that my glass was being filled up. So I kept drinking <laughs> oh. until at one point I'm like, wait, are you filling it up? Is this why it never ends? So I had a lot of wine today. <laughs> this will be good. This will be awesome. No, it was fun. It was fun. Um, yeah, she recently got married, and so we talked about the wedding as well. Aww. Yeah, and she's Greek too, so it was a pretty fucking awesome wedding. Yeah, if it's like the damn movie, it's gonna be huge. Oh man, pretty much, bro. Movie is 100% truth. It was like huge, like hundreds of people. We were dancing, Greek dances, till like 3 a.m. And then, you know how there's like food at a wedding? Mm -hmm. Like, there's like, like whatever, salad and like the main course and like dessert and this. Well, guess what happens at Greek weddings? What? Or at least at her wedding. So it's like midnight. And then I went outside. Because it's like this beautiful hall or whatever. And then I went outside. And there was more food. Oh, it was God. like midnight food. So there were like tables and tables of food. Like outside the actual hall. In like the big hallway. And it's like yeah. It's so you like re-energize before dancing. To like 5am. Oh, yeah. God. It was, it was pretty amazing. Okay. Okay. Oh, somebody sent me a message. Oh my god, Cal Santiago sent me pictures of food. It's his, like, daily offering to the government. <laughs> Aww. That's so nice. That's so cute. Oh, by the way, did you guys see the drawing Cal made? I think I did. Yeah, it's me. It's me with a Tableron yeah. sword. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty <laughs> awesome. Okay, so, um, okay, I'm, I'm recording, everyone's recording, everyone's fine, yep. no tech difficulties. We have about three minutes of completely redundant material. <laughs> you want to test me while I'm on wine, Richard? I think the wine might be part of the problem. So today, we're going to talk about the Moonlight Sword. Is everybody in on this? Sometimes I don't tell Richard what we talk about, and then it's a surprise every time. Yeah, it keeps me on my toes. Yeah, so I've noticed. <laughs> we also have a guest today, Richard. Yes. I'll be honest, <laughs> if it makes it any easier, just, just call me Andrew. It's my first name anyway. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, we have Andrew on today. How cool is that? Andrew is a Moonlight Sword professional. Oh, good. I wouldn't exactly say professional, but I've got nothing better to do. Don't don't be coy. He literally fought many wars with his Moonlight Sword. <laughs> he single-handedly defeated dragons with Gwyn. Oh, boy. If I could solo Midir with that with the damn Moonlight Sword, I just call it and delete the damn game off my PS4. 
Dark Souls 3 doesn't even have a Moonlight Sword. It has, like, a magic spell. Uh, no, no. you get the sword from Osteros. Yeah. What? You get no, it from his you, soul. Yeah. You, get a, you get a spell, not a sword. No, the spell is from Medea. Yeah. Wait, are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. I had no idea. I thought there was no Moonlight Sword. In Dark Souls 3! Yeah. Well, this is a really good beginning yeah. to our retrospective of the Moonlight Sword. <laughs> oh my yeah, god, my but- boyfriend's gonna divorce me. He's like, he literally just said, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, well I'm really happy to hear that, because I was disappointed for the past three years. But you know what? Dark Souls 3 is okay it's again. It's good now. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> okay, oh yeah, Richie, do you wanna... Oh no, I'm giving... <laughs> I'm giving my boyfriend allergies. He's like, I'm allergic to casuals. And he's sneezing. You taught him that, Richie. Ever since you taught him to call the cops on me because I'm a casual, it hasn't stopped. (laughs) Uh, Okay, Richie, do you want to do the intro? Um, what is this? Was this like 15? Ah. Like today, I have no idea. Um, Just record me saying a bunch of numbers between 10 and 20 <laughs> and splice it in later on. If it helps, you released episode 13 yesterday. Oh my god, at least Andrew knows what's going on. Okay, so this is episode 14 then. How about that? Very professionally, we don't have any banked. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's no actual like release schedule, they just come out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did you just say really schedule again? People here say schedule. Andrew, can you teach Richie how to say the word schedule, please? <laughs> uh, I think you've got that one covered yourself, but okay. Schedule. Repeat after me. Schedule. <laughs> <laughs> schedule yay you did it you did in one podcast what i've been trying to do for a year that is quite impressive okay richie so yeah do the intro welcome to episode 14 it is 14 isn't it or is it 15 Andrew, what episode is this? <laughs> what was the last one? <laughs> I forgot. Oh, God. Uh, 13 was you making Richard try to recite the entire plot to Demon Souls of Demon from Souls. memory. Yeah. Okay, so this is 14. Okay, this is 14. It's, yeah. I'll commend you. You did a pretty damn good job of it. What Sin doesn't tell people is that, like, those... Those, like, recap episodes are just so she doesn't have to play the game. Yeah, I kind of figure. <laughs> she doesn't want to actually have to beat Demon Souls, so I just have to explain the whole thing to her. And then that is very disingenuously presented as an episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it's not that I don't want to play it, I just don't feel like finishing it. There's a difference. I don't think there really is. Because if you don't, like, I want to play it. It's just, it's hard. So. Yeah. Uh, you know? I did all the good stuff. Now it's just the stupid stuff. I don't want to do it. I have other things to do. <laughs> like nap. 
Yeah, like nap and stream like the first half of a series of games <laughs> that you don't finish. Yes. Then come back to later and have forgotten everything that happened in them. You know I still haven't finished Nier Automata. This this is what's concerning me because that's extremely complicated game narratively. And I think I think you've probably already forgotten everything that happened in it. So when you go back it's just going to be incomprehensible. No, we'll just do a recap episode where you tell us everything about Nier. Oh god. What Nier or Nier Automata? <laughs> um whatever. Oh god. Same thing. Good, good attitude. <laughs> yeah, that one is be prepared for a mind fuck. <laughs> I, listen, okay, it may not seem like it, but I watched and read a bunch of science fiction back in the day, so I'm, I'm prepared. You yeah, know? You, you referenced um, Roadside Picnic in the Discord the other day. Yeah, yeah, Andrew, yeah. have you read Roadside Picnic? Uh, no, I have not. It's like I actually have like a um a a book um singular. <laughs> I'm trying I'm trying to formulate something in my head but I I can't. What I'm trying Okay, okay. The thing is my dad, well both my parents, I guess cuz they didn't have good TV back in the Soviet Union, they read a lot of yeah. books. And so yeah. Like, they still read a lot of books. And so my dad read a lot of sci-fi, and he kept recommending this to me. He's like, read it, read it, read it. It's really good. It's like a must-read sci-fi book. And so he actually had, like, a physical one. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'll read it. And, like, I read half of it. Yeah. I guess books are kind of like games for me. Well, so w- when are we doing the Soviet science fiction episode? Um, episode 15? Because, you know... Like- <laughs> I could probably yeah, I I could probably talk about that for a while. Really? Oh my god, Rich is babe, Rich is a real Russian sleep agent because he's like, I can talk about <laughs> Russian science fiction. For a while. My boyfriend just nodded his head. Yeah, so I don't know where I was going with this. I don't remember. Well, we're eleven minutes in. Oh god. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, let's keep this under an hour to respect Andrew's time, because he has a life and shit to do. No, I don't. Well, you, ha- you can you can respect his time, and then after he's gone, you can continue to talk yeah. to me. Yeah, okay. Because yeah. my life is of no value. Nobody wants to talk to you, though, Richie. That's true. <laughs> I like how you burned yourself at the same time as I was burning you. It was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, okay, Richie, come on. Try three. Do the intro. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to episode 14 of The Snake Covenant, in which we have a special guest who is going to talk about the Moonlight Greatsword with us. Andrew, tell us about how you first encountered the Moonlight Greatsword. (laughs) Uh, Pretty much uh, Dark Souls, like a good chunk of the Souls community did. And then it just kind of... Dark Souls, then backtrack to demons, then research, 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 track it back to the original Kingsfield games. At this point, it's easier to list the games it's not in because <laughs> FromSoft included it as a like a bonus weapon in a pretty good chunk of the library they've developed. 
Yeah, it's a sort of it's their mascot, basically. Uh, it's kind of like how Final Fantasy has a weapon called the Masamune. Hmm. Like not always the absolute best sword in the game, but pretty close. Yeah. Uh, Sin, do you want to talk about how you first encountered the Moonlight Greatsword? Yeah. Okay. So, my first time of encountering the Moonlight Sword was when I played Bloodborne. And the first time I saw it was after I beat Ludwig. And then he was like, I'm going into my second phase. And then he, like, pulls out a sword and, like, we fight and, like, whatever. And it didn't really leave an impression on me in terms of the sword. Because I'm like, okay, cool, the sword, bye. But um, that's because I've never played a Soulsborne game before. Uh, so it was just like, whatever. And then <laughs> much, much later, once I got into the, the general lore more, and once, you know, I played the other games, I sort of realized the significance of the sword. And I was like, oh, I guess this was a really big deal, huh? And I was kind of sad that I didn't get to experience it as like, like my boyfriend, for example, who probably had, like, a seizure and died when he saw Ludwig pull out the Moonlight Sword. <laughs> yeah, that was my first encounter with it. It was through Ludwig. Yep. My first encounter with the Moonlight Sword was in the first Armored Core game. Here goes Richard out encountering everyone. My first encounter was in the original game when it first appeared. Well, that is the one that that's true, though. <laughs> I'm trying to explain this. It was in the mid-90s. So it was the first From game I'd ever played. And uh, Armored Core is a mecha game, but it it does have sword weapons in it that you use for melee attacks. And I was exploring one of the levels and I found a hidden path. And at the bottom of the hidden path was this thing just called Moonlight. I had no idea what it was. And then I equipped it and my mech suddenly had this huge like lightsaber thing that was shooting out sort of crescent-shaped beams when I used it. And I thought it was just a weapon for Armored Core, because I hadn't played Kingsfield at the time. And then it turned out, like, much, much later on, as I got more into From Software's catalogue, that it was something they had put in every single game, basically. Mm-hmm. So what was the first game they ever presented it in? Uh, Kingsfield. Yep. The first Kingsfield, which... Yeah, we the West never got because it was pretty much a launch title for the PlayStation 1 in Japan. Yeah, it, it, Kingsfield ended up kind of like the early Final Fantasy games where we got the same games with, with different numbers on them. So the Kingsfield that we got outside Japan is Kingsfield 2. The Kingsfield 2 that was outside Japan is Kingsfield 3. And then I think Kingsfield 4, they... They ruled a line under it or something. Uh, they released it as, or is they released it as Kingsfield Four in Europe and Japan. Yeah, and America got it as just uh, Kingsfield, the ancient city. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I, I like my copy definitely has Kingsfield Four on it, but I've talked to other people who said no, it's it's not called Kingsfield Four, so that explains it. Like, yeah. Hardcore yeah. Gaming 101 did a article on, like, early Kingsfield titles, and it actually has the box art for all the versions of Kingsfield 4. 
Yeah, yeah. They also released a uh, King, like a Kingsfield uh, dungeon maker program. You can make your own Kingsfield games in it, and that is called Sword of Moonlight. Yep. And it's still, su- it was um, a Japan only release, and it's still, it's still supported. And there's like an English community. You can just go and download it, and you can make your own little Kingsfield levels with it. Yep. Oh, there's been people that have made their own games with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a Kingsfield construction set. Yeah. Yeah. So, the Moonlight Sword, it appears in various games, but it always looks pretty much the same? Uh, pretty much. Um, yeah. It's always a glowing sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's always big? Well, in Armored Core, it's very big. <laughs> it's got to fit on the side of a giant robot. Yeah. and okay so the moonlight sword where does it come from oh man that was actually a pretty tough question it kind of depends on like an armored core it's like the most powerful laser blade you can get maybe or maybe not uh some kind of lost tech or something. I don't know. I I have personally never played any of the Armored Core games, so I have no clue. <laughs> I played all of the Armored Core games and all of the From Software games. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So you'll be able to recap them instead of me if you have played them. <laughs> yeah, just not today. <laughs> yeah, not today. <laughs> not today. Not today, just... <laughs> Just give give me the exact amount of time it would take to read all these Wikipedia articles, and I'll get back to you. Oh, <laughs> in um in in Armored Core One, it is found in in this weird sort of abandoned temple. So I think it's meant to be some like ancient sort of sacred weapon that for some reason fits on a robot. Okay, so kind of trying to tie into Kingsfield a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I'm pretty sure Kingsfield and Armored Core run on the same engine. Like, they just change the assets around and let you fly. Mm. The thing about the Moonlight Sword is, like, it its origin is different in every game, basically. Yep. It's not literally the same sword. Yeah. Are you sure about that? Well, in Dark Souls 3, it kind of calls back to Kingsfield. Oh, yeah. Really? How so? Uh, I thought you finished it and got everything. I'm just <laughs> testing you. Oh, that's a test, I see. Yeah. I'm testing both of you. <laughs> yeah, the old Moonlight sorcery that you can uh, make from Medir Soul has the original Kingsfield design just as a transparent soul blade. It's literally the model that they used in the PS1 game. Like, it's very low-poly looking. Interesting. And it's, um, the description of that spell sort of calls back and says, like, this is a an ancient, like, very old thing from the beginning of time. Meaning it's from the beginning of when From Software were doing fantasy RPGs. Yeah. Well, they did technically start out with fantasy RPGs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think... 
I think they made like business software applications, and then Kingsfield was their first like video game. Yep, and then they just switched over to that. Did the Moonlight Sword appear in their business software applications? It possibly <laughs> did. We'll have to test them. Okay. The Dark Souls of spreadsheets. <laughs> Is the Moonlight Sword inspired by anything in real life? Well, it's um. Don't think so. I don't think it's it's not inspired by a real thing, but like in the first Kingsfield, it's it's got like a, a backstory to it that like it's it's there's some like it's a specific like thing you have to look for in Kingsfield, like it's it's the sort of Excalibur equivalent. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the idea is that like it's um its blade is it can sort of pierce through things because the blade is made of light. Yeah, or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little weird, because uh, it's, yeah, like you said, it's got that sort of transparent uh, blade. Uh, some games it can, peer, it can pass through shields, some it doesn't. Yeah. It, <laughs> uh, it, it's just weird. It also has that property in most of the games where, like, when it's swung, the it creates, like, a crescent moon-shaped arc that then flies forward. Do you think the crescent moon represents a croissant? Yes. Okay. So, could it be, like, a sword that's meant to make pastries? I don't know how that would work, because <laughs> if the blade is, like, made of light, it would just pass through everything. But then how does it work anyway? Magic. It's like a lightsaber. Okay, and lightsaber can't cut some dough? Would it probably burn it pretty badly? No, it's like you cut it. Haven't you seen that lightsaber toaster thing? Where like you cut the piece of bread and at the same time you toast it. By cutting it with your lightsaber. You think it would just burn it to a crisp though? No, no, no. I've seen this on the internet. Oh, is there Star Wars merchandise on the internet? It's not real, Richie. <laughs> well, it might have been. <laughs> Lightsaber toast knife. Okay, I show you now. Oh, oh like, God. Like this. Uh, 25 minutes. <laughs> Wait, you got somewhere to be, bro? No, I'm just thinking of our guest. Dude, I'm free for the whole damn night. <laughs> there you go. Oh, okay, okay yeah. So look, All I right. posted it. But that's that's just a very hot knife, though. Yeah, that's apparently been photoshopped. Yeah, apparently. The thing is, like, no, I, I can like imagine you're gonna, a- you're gonna divert from my original question, Rich. I feel like you're not taking <laughs> the question about using <laughs> pastries in Kingsfield seriously. Yes. Yeah. You know how a lot of the time when you're editing these, you message me saying, "I can't believe I said that." Yes. I think there's going to be a lot of that this time. <laughs> oh, <Lord. laughs> uh, no, but it, it, oh, if you think about it, crescent moon looks like a croissant, and it's a sword that can cut pastry and, and like bake it at the same time. So I think it makes perfect sense. Okay, and I think Andrew will agree. I paid the fifth on this. <laughs> Uh, 
had a lot of wine today, and I blame my friend because she kept filling up the thing, and I didn't notice. I just kept drinking the, the it. mysterious, unending wine glass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> what were we talking about? You were you were trying to convince me that the moonlight grates sort to be good for making pastries with. Well, listen. I, it, uh, <laughs> so, um, okay, so the moonlight sword, how does it work? Uh, well, it's magic. But there is no magic in Bloodborne. That's Redgrave, circa 2016. There's no magic in Bloodborne, but there's... I'm doing gigantic air quotes here. Arcane. Yeah. <laughs> there's no magic, but there are mysterious forces that human beings can't comprehend that ignore the laws of physics. Yeah. But definitely aren't magic. <laughs> there you go. Andrew, how does the Moonlight Sword actually work? Oh, man. That depends on the game. Go on. <laughs> uh, in Cakesfield, it's it's weird because it's actually the quote unquote uh, chosen weapon for Gyra as uh, the only a weapon that can defeat Steve. And that, in Kingsfield. Yeah. Seath? Seath's the boss of Kingsfield. Uh, yeah, I figured this was kind of going to kind of devolve into from Moonlight Sword to explaining the plot for the original Birdite trilogy of Kingsfield games. <laughs> <laughs> I think, like, this is an interesting um, way to discuss, like, referentiality throughout these games because one of the criticisms people were making of dark souls 3 is that it's too referential and then people were saying but no but all these things like were also in previous from games like seath and the moonlight sword and like they bring back um like uh prince ricard like there's a lot of characters in from games who were called richard and there's uh, and alan Al of course <laughs> alan king king alan alant the 12th <laughs> Of Alantaria. <laughs> but, like, the the thing is, we're talking about, like, the Moonlight Sword and Seath in Kingsfield. But they also, when those things are brought back in Dark Souls, it's not the same Moonlight Sword and the same Seath. They're just, like, riffing on the concepts, but starting again. So, in Kingsfield, the Moonlight Sword is a weapon that can kill Seath, who is this, like, kind of humanoid angel dragon creature. In Dark Souls, they bring the Moonlight Sword and Seath back, but it's got it's just started over. So like it's the same concept of this, like you have a sort of angelic white angel dragon creature, and then you have a sword with a blade made of light, but they have different origins. It's just basically the same visual motifs. Uh, but Richie? with a new Yeah, yeah. Didn't you say that Asiris's name was Dragon Angel? Uh it's angel Oh, God, it's... 
I can't remember if it's Dragon's Angel or Dragon of... It is either Angel of the Dragon or Dragon of the Angel. I can't remember what words uh, they're in. I think he's Angel of the Dragon. And you're saying an Angel Dragon appeared earlier? Yeah, the the original uh, Seath in Kingsfield. Like, he's a dragon, but he doesn't really look like... He, he, he actually looks a bit like Pontiff Sullivan. If you imagine, yeah. like, a really low-poly Pontiff <laughs> Sullivan. Yeah, just a tall figure, a tall humanoid figure in just white armor. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, he, he looks a lot like Dark Lurker from Dark Souls 2, but you haven't gotten there yet. Who's Dark Lurker? Yeah, that's what I mean. <laughs> yeah, thinking about it kind of looks like the Dark Lurker, just Two arms and just a suit of white plate armor. Isn't this... I just googled Dark Lurker, but you also mentioned something of sin in Dark Souls 2. What, you or something else? Something else in Dark Souls 2 was the sinner? The The lost lost sinner? sinner? Yeah. Yeah, Isn't that Dark Lurker 2? Uh, no, that's supposed oh. to be... That's the Witch of Isolate. Yeah. Oh, because, okay, well, <laughs> when you and Loki were talking about the Lost Sinner, I thought the Dark Lurker was the Lost Sinner, so... <laughs> well, yeah. we've got a problem here. <laughs> yeah. Which is that you've you've begun a series of podcasts about games you haven't finished, or in Dark Souls 2 case, made any kind of substantial progress in. But it's funny, because I put a graphic of, like, an angel <laughs> that kind of looks like the Dark Lurker when you guys were talking about the Lost Sinner, and okay. everybody was really polite about it, and nobody called me out. Just wanted to say, <laughs> I, I love all y'all for not calling me out on this and making me feel bad. <laughs> y'all are very nice. <laughs> Uh, awesome. So, like, Seath in Kingsfield is basically a... He's, he's like an, an armored angel with these sort of dragon-like wings coming out of his back, but it's a very... Like, it's a PS1 sort of low-poly model, and it's yeah. it's kind of transparent. Okay. And, yeah, he yeah he doesn't... he's I think he is called the white dragon Seath in the game, but he's he doesn't look like a dragon. Yeah, that kind of ties into, I think, uh, when Kingsfield had its anniversary box that released in Japan, it included a bonus DVD called The Verdite Chronicle that kind of made a bigger backstory to bridge the original trilogy together. Granted, it semi... It, Mostly retconned the first game and semi retconned the second. Because the first game, uh, the main character for that, John Alfred Forrester, the Moonlight Sword, as he acquires it, was originally his father's sword, but once he reached a certain place within the Burnite royal family tomb an aspect of Gyra 
and a fairy assistant unsealed its power. Do you want to just quickly like explain Gyra for people who haven't played Kingsfield? Uh, I'm going to just layman's terms, the Verdite Chronicle for this. Uh, the world that Kingsfield was set in has at least one real over-god that he would create the world, go to sleep. When he wakes up, it was just completely destroyed. And it got to a point where it's like, I'm going to create three gods under me to take care of that while I just go nap. And so they create like the first world they create is the world that Kingsfield is set in. But two of the three like halfway through their mission on creating it is like you know what, this is bogus we're just going to fuck off back to dad and the last remaining one sees that the world is kind of going to hell in a handbasket and splits a good chunk of his power to try to create his own sub gods for himself which end up being Seath and Gyra but it doesn't work exactly the way he intended because Apparently, there is some kind of just hidden seed of evil within the deep within the world that pretty much overrode Seath and Gyra and kind of turned it into them two trying to war over who gets to rule the world as chief god. And they're both described as dragons, but Gyra is more like what people would picture as a dragon. Yeah. He is a big sort of uh, four-limbed, kind of like long neck, scaly thing. Yeah, he looks a bit like um, looks a bit like Calamite, but he has like two or three eyes instead he- of the one. Yeah, and he's got big, sort of goofy, like it's hard to explain. But he has these giant, like teeth coming out the front of his mouth that make he looks like a dragon with buck teeth, but they're like huge. <laughs> yeah. But it I, it sounds ridiculous explaining it, but if you look at the design, you're like, yeah, that is kind of creepy looking. Yeah. <laughs> the idea is like there's like a white dragon and a black dragon who are like opposites and they're in conflict, and then they carry that through to the other Souls games. So you get like like Seath and Calamite, the way they're talked about is like the white dragon and the black dragon, and then uh, you have like Osiris and Medea. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And part of now that I'm thinking about part of the reason why Seath looks more humanoid than Gyra in the third Kingsfield game, you're not playing as John Alfred Forrester, you're playing as his son. And kind of the backup and retread like Kingsfield one, uh, John descends into the royal family crypt. Uh, well, he's technically part of the Verdite royal family. His mother is like one, a distant cousin of the current king. And the king decided to, yeah, there's the, oh, he did just have one eye. Huh. That it just That's Gyra that we just posted yeah. in the chat. Yeah. 
Yeah, he does. Huh. Doofy as it is, yeah, he does have one eye, damn. But, uh, the current king of Bird Eye decided to send the royal guard into the family crypt to find magic items. And as you descend, you find remnants of the guard and whatnot. Uh, you find that John's father actually died in a duel with someone called the Black Knight, but it was a mutual death. And he retrieves his father's sword from his grave. And like I said, he finds a aspect of Gyra hidden in the crypt and unseals the weapon's power and proceeds to find the main evil infesting the crypt, which happens to be the current king after he has just been completely corrupted by the seed of darkness. And by the time he emerges, he's pretty much the only member of the royal family left. So he's crowned king. And the intervening years between Kingsfield 1 and 2, he gets married, has two kids, uh, precursing the events of Kingsfield 2, the Sword of Moonlight gets stolen from the castle somehow. And his friend, the prince of a neighboring nation, uh, they've tracked down where it has been taken, and so his friend Alexander goes to the island of Belanat to retrieve it. And Belanat's gone to hell in the handbasket because there's some kind of curse or something that you can't leave the island. And the only way to stave off the curse is to drink the waters of the, like, I think specific uh, fountains or something. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah. There's something about the water on the island. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And he eventually finds who stole the weapon and uh, uncovers why the island is cursed as it is. Uh, people were is either abducted or shipwrecked on there and then forced to mine for this, these absurd abundance of gems. And if the miners do their work right, then the sun will shine. If not, it won't. And I think about the only spot on the island where the sun does shine is over this one hut of this unassuming woman who's on the island looking for her brother. And if, uh, and eventually you find out that the person that stole the Moonlight Sword in the first place was her brother, and he stole it to help facilitate Gyra's quote-unquote resurrection. While at the same time, 
uh, Alexander acquires a weapon called the Dark Slayer, which is Seath's quote unquote holy weapon to spell Gyra. And after Kingsfield 2, of course, Alexander's successful, Gyra's dead, uh, the Sword of Moonlight and the Dark Slayer are put in the Verdite treasury. Seath uh, ends up possessing uh, John Alfred Forrester, and the country proceeds to gradually go to hell in a handbasket yet again while uh, they wait for John's son, Austin Lyle Forrester, to come of age and using a blade forged by the high elf smith sage that raised him, uh, he has to prove himself himself worthy of slaying Seath and in the process to get the good ending reassemble the Moonlight Sword because it had been shattered but by the end of it uh, both Seath and Gyra are dead and the both the Dark Slayer and the Moonlight Sword are just locked in the Royal Treasury. And I know I butchered the hell out of that, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, the, the important stuff about the Moonlight Sword is, like, it's the weapon that can hurt Seath, is the thing, basically. In that incarnation, yes. Yeah. Uh, and then you talk there about, about Seath possessing a king, which is, I think, what they're getting at in Dark Souls 3 with Osiris. Unless you want to go with that uh, unnamed QA tester talking about... Yeah. Just, <laughs> uh, to quote it, uh, the only reason the uh, dragon fucker got greenlit was to ape off of Ludwig's appearance in the old haunters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the Moonlight Sword in Kingsfield, the Ancient City, I don't think that game is directly tied to the original three games. Uh, the Prima Guide for it says, uh, this holy sword with the true elemental spirit of light has conquered the darkness that plagued the land of Birdite. Only those with the purest heart may lay eyes on the sword, and only those with the purest of souls may wield it. Holding the sword is proof of regal lineage. It can dispel the dark with its reflecting light attributes. It's truly a magnificent weapon in all respects. And I think I read something about there's another weapon called the uh, the Triple Fang that is slightly better than it, and all you really need the Moonlight Sword for in that game is uh, unsealing the best set of armor. Hmm. 
Yeah, uh, Lord Mew's armor set. Well, the name is spelled M Y U. So it's kind of that take it as you go pronunciation. It's his fasona. <laughs> He's a little cat. He's like, Mew. <laughs> but, uh, I figured that explaining yeah. the Kingsfield games would yeah. end up being last. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think like um, like for reference in Armored Core, it just has no backstory. It is just there. Yeah, and there's ancient temple. Yeah, like you said. Yeah, yeah, like um, the the what? Yeah, the Armored Core doesn't do item descriptions like yeah. the Souls games do. It's or or even Kingsfield. Um, but like, yeah, it is just there. It's usually it's always hidden somewhere. You have to find it, and that's. Yeah, it's just there. Why do you guys think it keeps showing up? Like, why did they pick that specific item to be sort of their mascot? I think because Kingsfield was their first, like, was yeah. their breakout hit. Yeah, it's like some element of your first thing kind of becomes your signature if you let it. The Moonlight Sword may have been that for from software. And, like, I, I get the impression Kingsfield might have been a bigger deal in Japan than here because it was a launch title and it was, I think, the first RPG the system had. Uh, yeah, because it came yeah. it came out 13 days after the PlayStation 1. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, it's it's a pretty, like, it's it's odd to say this now if you look at footage of it in 2018, but it was pretty technically impressive in that it's... Yeah. A, this enormous, like, it's all real-time, it's a huge world, and there's there's no loading screens. Yeah. Apart from the, the very beginning of the game. Like, like that that's something that, I guess, people who are slightly younger than us and are used to seamless games might not appreciate. But, like, it was really common in games that ran off CD on the, on the PlayStation or the Saturn or something that, like, in between, like, every area transition, you just had to wait, there'd be a loading screen. You just have to wait for that level to, like, properly load before you could keep going. And Kingsfield, even though it's, like, a launch title for the system, it's very, very, it's, like, one of the first games released for it. It manages to avoid having loading screens apart from at the very beginning. You can just walk from one side of the game to the other without encountering loading. Yep. Yeah. And even with the models as low poly as they were. Yeah. Just as that, as a launch title, that is yeah and it's because it's part of a, a tradition of like these dungeon crawling games but prior to that they had almost all been turn-based turn-based mainly computer yeah from like wizardry yeah, and um yeah wizardry yeah. was just big in japan Wiz- wizardry is i think it was like significantly wizardry for reference like wizardry was a, a game that is like it's so close to Dungeons and Dragons, I kind of don't know how it was legal. Like, they just sort of ripped the entire game off. And it was made by... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was made by these American... I think they were college students at the time who were studying in Japan. And they basically just ported D&D to the PC as a game. And then it ended up... Like, it just became this huge breakout hit in Japan. 
in a, to a degree that it sort of wasn't anywhere else, which is odd because it's extremely Western. So the reason that you see like Dungeons and Dragons tropes show up in these Japanese RPGs from people who didn't play Dungeons and Dragons is that they were riffing on wizardry. Unless it's something like a record of Lotus War where they yeah. did try to make that a, a Japanese yeah. Dungeons and Dragons campaign setting, but TSR said no. Yeah. But, like, wizardry is... It's like a first person. People would know this style of game, even if they don't know what the, what the terminology is, but, like, it's a... First person turn-based game. It's like a, on a grid. Yeah. You're in these like dungeons. Each tile of the dungeon is a grid, and you just move one tile at a time. And there's like a window where you can see what the characters would see in front of them. It's in yeah. first person, but it's it's all turn-based. It's all static, so you just move like one one spot at a time. Yeah. And Kingsfield is kind of in the tradition of that, but it was real time. Um, it's very very slow. Oh yeah. But it's it's real time. Yeah. So let me ask you, what was, I guess I'll ask Andrew first, what was your favorite, um, what was your favorite Moonlight Sword reveal? Uh, outright reveal? I honestly have no clue. Like, I would kind of say that the Bloodborne version sticks out the most, partially because it's the most recent. And partially because it wasn't in the game initially, and people were just like, oh, Ludwig's Holy Blade, oh my god, this has to be the equivalent. And they ended up putting it in the game with the DLC, and people that liked it pretty much shat bricks when they saw it. <laughs> Because the, the theory prior to the DLC had been that Ludwig's Holy Blade, the weapon, was the moonlight if you applied the arcane yeah. uh, buff to it. To use the empty phantasm shell. Yeah. Yep. So, Richie, what's your favorite moonlight sword reveal? Well, uh, like uh, Andrew said, the, the Bloodborne DLC is like the only time they've really, I guess outside of Kingsfield, made a big deal about it being a reveal. Okay. Because I wanted to talk about how it's done in Demon Souls with reference to Kingsfield. Okay, let's. Cause, because in Demon Souls, like, as Andrew was recapping Kingsfield, he's talking about how, like, the Moonlight Sword is a part of the plot. And it's, like, this family heirloom sword that's been passed down through these kings, and it's, like, it's really super important to that story. In Demon Souls, they do a similar thing, but instead of it being the Moonlight Sword, it's the Twin Swords, Demon Brand and Soul Brand. The Moonlight Sword is still in the game, though, yeah. and it's off in an optional area in the Valley of Defilement. And it just says, like, um, yeah, it says this is a, a legendary large sword that reflects moonlight, uh, known in association with the Moonlight Knight Beto, one of the revelations from God. So it's there as a legendary important sword but it doesn't play a plot pivotal role it's just sort of there off to the side if you yeah. want to look for it in the same way that in armored core it is just like it's in an optional area of one one level and in like dark souls it's there but 
it's Cunning Seat's tail. Yeah. And it doesn't play a role in the story. So, yeah, the the Moonlight Sword has been in all of these games, but it, it didn't play, like, an important role in the story outside of Kingsfield. Hmm. So then let me ask you guys something else. Um, I guess, Andrew, so what was your favorite um, incarnation of the Moonlight Sword? Bloodborne. Oh, really, part of it is because like the base form is just this uh just this silvered claymore and part of that may or may not be speaking of uh ancestral heritage but like the idea that fucking claymores are awesome but <laughs> Uh, yeah, just the the Bloodborne incarnation. It's just like the idea. It the initial form looks unassuming, but as soon as you unveil it in the cosmos, then it's just like, oh shit! I was not expecting this. I really like that actually as well. Where at first it's just like a regular sword with like a bandage. And then it turns into something, like, different. Yeah. It's like... Go on. Thanks. It's, like, different from, um, I guess, most of the other trick weapons that we encounter, where, I I don't know if it's every weapon, but a lot of them seem to be, like, mechanical or something. Yeah. Whereas this is, like, you just, like, rub something on, and then it glows, and I think it's really cool. Well, the way it's explained is that Ludwig found it in the labyrinth. Yeah. So it's not like a trick weapon made in the workshop. It's something else. Maybe it was made by Thumerians. It probably was. Yeah. Which you can hear more about in another episode, which we did, (laughs) which was on the executioners. Yeah, it was on a different topic, but it ended up being about that. (laughs) The way it's explained in Bloodborne is almost like it's possessing Ludwig. Yeah. The way he talks, like, this is my guiding... And, like, the way that he finds it, and then that gives him purpose after he finds it. And yeah. The way he talks to it, and... And the guidance room, yeah. and the little sprites he sees in the yeah. corner of his eyes when he's using it. Yeah. It's, um... That's another From thing that they do a fair bit. The idea that there's a sword that, when you wield it, it possesses you. Which is, uh... It happens in Demon Souls with Satsuki. Yeah. If you give him the Makoto, he becomes possessed by the Makoto and tries to kill you. And it happens in, um, you don't see it happen in Dark Souls 2, but it's one of the, it's the backstory of Alon. The idea that Sir Alon has, it's called the Bewitched Alon Sword in 2. And the idea is like, it's bewitched as in it's, it's um, exerting this control over him when he wields it, which is, uh, yeah. it's like a, a Japanese, like folkloric thing that if you a sword is, is sort of, if a sword has enough of a history, it almost becomes a sentient thing and can take you over. Uh, that one's a little more along the lines of uh, almost any item. Yeah. Because there's like, some Japanese games where it's just like uh, possessed umbrellas or something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the the way it's talked about in Bloodborne is like that, like Ludwig picks up this sword and it, it sort of takes him over and it, it starts like guiding his actions 
And I, th- I think Ludwig's second head is meant to be a representation of the Moonlight Sword. What? Well, I've thought about this for a long time, because I used to think, oh, that second head is like the beast head, and it's like biting you. Because in the first phase, he counts mechanically as a beast. That's when the, the like the head that's just a mouth is active. And then when you knock him down to half hit points, the heads swap over. And he his type changes from beast to normal, right? So I thought, oh, the 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 mouth part is just like the beast hood, but that spray attack it does yeah. is like it's pure arcane damage, which doesn't make sense for a beast to do. Hmm. And it has what look like eyes inside it, so I'm thinking like, is yeah the way he talks about it is like this is my guide, like is the idea that the moonlight sword was his guide, and it took the form of that like. In the Hunter's Nightmare, it, it became this, like, second head that was guiding his actions. May also explain why his beast form looks more like a horse than, yeah. than any kind of wolf or whatever the hell some of the other stuff yeah. is supposed to be. I don't know about that. Because he has, I think people pointed out that he has the Moonlight Sword equipped on him the entire time of the fight, no? Yeah, it's on, yeah. His, it's on his back. And then when you when you knock him down to half hit points, it, like, f- falls out of the scabbard. And that's what, like, wakes him up. But just the way that that head's attack does, it's, like, 100% arcane damage. Which is something the Moonlight Greatsword does. But it, it, it's not something you you would expect, like... If that were a beast head, it would spray, like, blood or something that did physical. Hmm. Maybe it just means Ludwig assented to a true great one. Well, he didn't. (laughs) Well, you don't know that, because he has a pure arcane attack. Well, I'm pretty sure he didn't, because we killed him. You can't kill a true great one, though. We killed a friggin' moon presence. Well, no, but we killed him when he was a giant horse monster. <laughs> like, that's sort of the end of the Ludwig story. Yeah. Or just the beginning. Well, they they do imply that, like, you f- if you kill someone in the Hunter's Nightmare, it's like freeing someone from purgatory. So maybe he's back in the real world. Yeah. I don't think it works like that. No. I don't know. Were you there, Richie? So it's like it's like the opposite. Like, if you die in the dream... You don't die in real life. For Ludwig. But if you but if you don't die in the dream, <laughs> you do die in real life. Yeah, for Ludwig, because he's different. Just for Ludwig, because yeah. he's different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you're making me think, like, if somebody, like, let's say in the real world, somebody stabbed him with his own moonlight sword or something, like, this could represent his wound or whatever. Is this, is this more of your fanfic about Maria? <laughs> Okay, so when uh, when German found out that Ludwig killed Maria, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he stabbed. He was Ludwig. very upset. <laughs> yeah, and so he stabbed Ludwig with his moonlight sword. But wait, by this time German was already in the dream. When Lawrence found out that Ludwig killed Maria, he was very upset, and so he stabbed Ludwig with his own moonlight sword, and that's the representation of the whole. Okay. Why does the hole have have teeth, though? And why is it trying to bite you? Because it's the nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) 
I see. Why does Richie always have to rain on my parade, Andrew? Mm-hmm. I think it's because he's a bully. <laughs> he's bullying my I'm the theories. real bully. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he's been bullying. I'm playing the long game. <laughs> he, he has been bullying my Ludwig killed Maria theory ever since I showed it to him a year ago. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's not the absolutely most absurd theory about the lore. Oh, it's absolutely not. No. theory out there no it's it's like it doesn't even crack the like top like 80 percent of absurdity things that i've like seen how, how deep into that extra life hole have you delved richard well i i i have a long and interesting history with extra life because because i i write and test a lot of stuff for the bloodborne wiki that Neff runs Mm-hmm. And a lot of what we do there is kind of like, this is not like complaining about Fextra Life specifically, but the fact that that is a wiki that sort of anybody can edit and stuff just stays there means that there's a lot of, a lot of misinformation that we have to clear up. So like yeah. the other day, there, there's a rumor, you know, um, the Evelyn pistol from Kanehurst. Yep. There was this weird, like accepted wisdom that it fired faster than other guns. Stuff like that that just sort of, like, floats around. It's repeated enough times on, like, Fextra Life or Reddit or whatever to the point where everyone just says it as though it's true. So, we had to test that to make sure it was actually right, and it's not. Like, we did- we recorded, like, all the firearms firing and played them back frame by frame, and it's like, no, they all, like- Evelyn and the Hunter Pistol both fire on exactly the same frame, it's not faster. But, like- Tons of people just accept that it is. And this is this is why that wiki is so obsessive, because it's about, like, we we have to test and verify everything before we put it up here to avoid turning into that. Yeah, make everything as concrete as you can. Yeah, and, like, I remember, like, when I started talking about Bloodborne, I was using wikis to get enemy names. And the Fextra Life wiki, all the enemy names on that were just made up. <laughs> but they became accepted, like the p- women in Kanehurst being called Bound Widows, the um, the Winter Lanterns being called Brains Trusts. Like, oh yeah, I remember that because one. The, because that because that got in there at the beginning. It just became accepted that that's what they're called, and like it's just whoever got there first sort of got to decide that stuff, even though a lot of it was wrong. Mm-hmm. So Ludwig killed Maria could have been a real thing had I gotten on. You there could ha- fast yeah enough. had um. Had Ludwig or Maria existed at the time, oh, snap. you could have said when the game came out. But, well, to, to defend my theory, uh, it's not- I like how this, this started <laughs> off as a discussion of the Moonlight Sword, and now it's just, like, Sin defending- No, no, no. Sin defending a theory she has been advancing for the last year. If not longer. <laughs> Which there is, like, there's no evidence for or against. It's just no, there. No, no, no. No, no, no. So, uh, Lance found cut content, and what did the cut content say? He found a lot of cut content. In relation to Simon and Maria. That Simon was well, supposed to kill Maria if you did. Yeah, yeah, it's, it says, 
murdered by the Seeker of Secrets, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is not Ludwig's name. It, well, the point is, I was on the right track. The other thing is, like, if you're talking about Lance and Cut content, um, Marie is not dead in the Cut content. The point is, I was on the right track. She was alive at some point and someone killed her. It's not like she was dead and then committed suicide, okay? Or whatever. Yeah. You're not dead and you commit well, that's, suicide. Yeah. You know what I mean. You know what I'm trying to well, say. It's very her ontology is extremely confusing because Yeah. She has apparently a grave in the workshop, but also in the clock she tower. She might be dead in the clock tower. Yeah. 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 Yeah, we need to do a podcast called How Do You Solve a Problem Like Maria, <laughs> in which we sort this out, because she's a maddening series of, like, yeah. weird connections that don't quite add up. Yeah, FromSoft was not on their A-game when they tried to bridge who was the apprentice and who was the doll based on, and... Well, the thing is, like, I, I think the idea that of Maria and the doll and everything works. It's just that they kind of didn't start doing it until the old hunters yeah. and they couldn't go. If there was a way of like going, if, if they'd scholar of the first send it and gone back and like rewritten chunks of the base game to align with the Maria story yeah. it would work better. Well, it's never yeah. too late. They could patch it up. <laughs> I'm sure when Bloodborne remastered comes out, a whole lot of people will expect them to do that, and then they won't, and everyone will get angry. <laughs> and they'll add weapon upgrade matchmaking, and people will get angry as well. Oh, oh. man. I heard about that. That's part part of why I didn't get Dark Souls remastered. It's just... It's not a good system. No. It's not a good system on its own, and it's very poorly implemented yeah. in Dark Souls Remastered. Because, like, in at least in Dark Souls 3, all the weapons start at zero, and then you can upgrade them. Yeah. Whereas, because of the way Dark Souls 1 works, there are weapons you find, and they're already considered to be plus 5 or plus 10. Yeah. As far as the game cares. So, like, if you co-op against the Gargoyles... Yeah. If you co-op against- if you fight the Gargoyles, run through Descent's Fortress, get the Lightning Spear, and go back again, you can't co-op any part prior to that, because the Lightning Spear is considered plus 10. Yeah, that's yes. just- Yeah, like, I, I, I made a low-level character, and I was like- I grabbed the Lightning Spear without thinking, and I'm like, oh, I can't do low-level co-op anymore. Like, this character is just useless. So yeah. I have to start the whole thing again. It's it's not it's not good. The only thing it is good for is just new game plus bullshit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, very- and the thing is they don't they don't apply it to armor at all. Oh god. So you can still have like giant set plus five. And you can invade people on like soul level two in the burg with a giant set plus five and just not die but you can't bring a weapon in that is of that level. It's not very well done. So let me ask you guys, I'll start with Andrew. Do you think uh, the Moonlight Sword will show up in Sekiro? Uh, I think they said something about there's not going to be an equipment system at all. 
beyond uh, switching out whatever special trick your prosthetic arm can do. Unless they yeah. include it as a function of that or just a really weird palette swap for the katana that Sekiro uses. You might like be able to upgrade the katana, but it's the same katana the whole time. Uh, maybe, maybe not. We maybe, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, since you bring that up, uh, <laughs> the one time where it's like you don't talk about uh, upgrading weapons in FromSoft games. Uh, have you ever heard of a little net game? that is a prequel to Metal Wolf Chaos called Ninja Blade. Yeah, we talked about it very briefly in one episode, but we didn't play it at all. We just looked at some video of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, no, to be more accurate, I looked at some video of it. <laughs> we didn't even do that. Yeah. Uh, I had a snack. Yeah, like the final it kind of going into what Ninja Gaiden does with, like, the wooden practice katana. Uh, you upgrade it enough into... Uh, God. Unwavering... God. Let me look it up. <laughs> but, uh, you would upgrade, like, this, this ranked ink wooden katana into what was basically a really wicked looking boat or and it kind of tied into a piece of uh japanese with uh history or it was i think musashi would uh fought someone with a boat or one time I think it was called un yeah uh, unlabored flawlessness, right? And yeah, it it's a very slow weapon, but uh, yeah, uh, it's a reference to where Miyamoto Musashi had a duel where he used a wooden sword carved out of a boat oar against uh, Sasaki Kajiro. But uh, the Ninja, uh, Ninja Blade version, there's a weapon in it called the Stone Render Sword, which is basically like slow but very powerful, and if you upgrade it to max rank it turned the model just turns into the moonlight great sword oh cool oh yeah it's like it like i i have a damn list wrote down on like what games it the moonlight great sword appears in and whether it's integral or a bonus weapon or whatever uh Of course, all the King's Shield games, all the Armored Core games, uh, Ninja Blade, 
all the Souls games. Uh, Metal Wolf Chaos, it appears as a rocket launcher that you get after rescuing all the POWs. And all it does is fire copies of the Moonlight Great Sword. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Metal Wolf Chaos is just absurd. It people would not publish it for years yeah. because it was so balls to the wall absurd. And until Devolver Digital said we're nuts enough to do it. But about the only thing we have to change is the United States Great Seal and the Presidential Seal. Yeah. Yeah, because... So, like, for reference, we've um, we've talked about Metal Wolf Chaos a couple yeah. of times. That is a game from the 2000s. It was on Xbox in Japan. Yeah. It didn't come out outside of Japan, but recently, Devolver Digital have re-released, have managed to publish it in the West, and it's uh, going to be available on a bunch of different platforms. Yeah, it's not out yet, but... Yeah. <laughs> it- so, we will we will be able to play Metal Wolf Chaos soon. Yeah. Um, nice. What? What, Sam? What? I said nice. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah <laughs> the only way you could play it originally is if you had a modded original Xbox and a copy of the game, and even then you had to finagle it to use a translation patch. Well, it was a game where, like, all the dialogue was in English, yeah. but the menus were in Japanese, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, uh, uh Moonlight Sword appeared in Evergrace 1 and 2 as unlockable weapons from one of the bonus side areas. Uh, Enchanted Arms had it. As the has variations as the ultimate weapon for for the main characters, but instead of I think only one of them had a version that was a sword. Another one had a version where it was just like uh, leg greaves because kick check or whatever. Uh, one of them had it as a gun. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the other one is, but I can't at the moment. Uh, there's something of another hardcore spinoff called Murakumo Renegade Mech, where yeah, where it was the main weapon for uh one of the five mechs you could play as. And it, it didn't say the way that they had tra- the Western publisher translated the weapon name. It didn't say Moonlight Sword, at least not in English. It said it in French. Oh. It, uh, Did it say uh, the Moonlight Croissant? Croissant de la Lune. I'd litigate back pursuit. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
I'd have to look at the It's in it's in three D dot game heroes. Yeah. Which is um yeah, I'll send I'll put a, a clip of that in the chat so you can see what it's sort of ridiculous looking. Okay, I'm- uh, it's 3D Dot Game Heroes is like from software doing a sort of deliberately retro. It's like very uh, linked to the past Zelda ish game, but in 3D and everything's yeah. made out of voxels. Oh so, yeah, I mean I've seen yeah, footage they- of it, but I hadn't seen footage of its appearance in that. I yeah, uh, it's pretty ridiculous. They um, one of the things in in the early Zelda games is like your sword's power will be tied to your health. So in 3D dot game heroes, they sort of parody that to the point where, like, if your health's high enough, your sword blade is, like, several <laughs> times wider than you are. Yeah, so you can upgrade it. It's, like, the size of an aircraft carrier by the point your health yeah. is, like, full. You're just swinging this thing around, yeah. Yeah, I'm watching this, and holy shit. <laughs> but, uh... Wait, is that the sword? Yeah. Yeah, that's the sword. Oh my god, I thought it... Oh, <laughs> that's crazy! It's so big! <laughs> yeah. Like, that's about the only one I can think of where they changed the requirements needed to unlock it uh, between regions. Because uh, in the West, you unlock it by getting all the key items as you play the game. In Japan... Uh, you get it by completing every event in the game and by getting the best results on all the mini-games within the game. So I can see why they kind of changed that for the West. But, uh... Oh. Sorry, I'm just typing because uh, someone just messaged me about Ludwig. <gasps> Was it Lance? Ludwig. Okay, yeah, and it is about Ludwig and Maria. <gasps> oh, what did they boy. say? Hang on, I'm just typing. <laughs> um, okay, so hot off the press, although by the time this comes out, it might not be. Um <laughs> It looks like Maria was going to drop the eye pendant that you used to go down the elevator in the research hall. Okay. Really? Instead of dropping the astral clock dial. And Lance is saying that, like, it looks, from what he's looking at, this is all, like, he's just figuring this out now, so this might all be wrong by the time we it comes out. But mm. uh-huh. he's saying that, like, you would go down and then the... um the boss after Maria would be Ludwig. Oh my god! So it's like, I'm getting closer! Yeah, yeah, you would get the eye pendant from Maria, put it in the altar, the altar would go down, and then instead of there being the church cannon, there would be, like, the path to Ludwig. Tell him Sin is very happy about this development. <laughs> oh god. Um, Sin will be pleased. <laughs> Oh, more possible work for me on TV tropes. Depends on how much Lance finds. And, oh, man. The, I know the guy is just doing this in his free time, but holy shit. He is a madman. <laughs> yeah. He's going to do a panel at uh, PAX, uh, PAX Australia. Oh, hot damn. So he might, we might, that might be on you. Yeah. 
he's going to hack Silent Hill live. Oh, hell. He's going to bring his uh, PlayStation 1 and a computer and connect them together. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, it's, he, he used to do that when he was, like, a teenager. Yeah. He would, yeah, <laughs> he would connect his, his, yeah, his PS1 to his computer and hack games, and that's led to uh, what he's doing now. When is that? We should all go. It's in Australia. I didn't say where. I said when. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> <sighs> Only if you spring from my all my funds. <laughs> uh, it's in October. Okay, okay. We got time to save up. We got time to plan this. My love, we're going to Australia in October to watch Lance hack Silent Hill on his PlayStation 1. It'd probably be cheaper to just wait until it's on YouTube. No, no. My love said, okay. <laughs> okay. That's fair enough. <laughs> he knows better well, than to argue with me after a while. Okay. <laughs> you'll, you'll need several thousand dollars for flights and accommodation. Time to plug that patron. Yeah, I'll need, I'll need, tw- I'll need, I'll need about 20 bucks for a round trip train ticket. <laughs> Yeah, I did a GoFundMe to hit. I don't know how damn much. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh. Oh man. Um. Okay. So we're nearing an hour and a half. Um. Is there anything that uh, Andrew you wanted to mention about the sword that we just like didn't even touch on? Ah. Uh. I'll be honest, I think we pretty much covered it. I I was going to kind of give Richard shit for misremembering, <laughs> uh, mixing up the Moonlight Sword with the phosphorescent pole, but... That, Wait, that, when is that? that? What is... What, yeah, tell us. <laughs> uh, when he was doing the Demon Souls recap. Oh, God, probably. Yeah, you mixed up uh, the origin of the Moonlight Sword in that game with uh, the phosphorescent pole that related to... Oh, from The Witch of the yeah, Sky. Miguel and The Witch yeah. of the Sky. And yeah. it, it did amuse me at how easy it is to get Sen to trip up at just deadpan masturbation jokes. <laughs> uh, when was that? Uh, Richard, you did... I don't recall there being any jokes. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I will say is, Richard, you stole the show with that one. Thank but, you. <laughs> and about the... Only thing you forgot was Yuria, but that's... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's about the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that you forgot to mention, but... Yeah, you did damn good doing that one from memory. Thank you. What people don't know is Richard does everything from memory. Because I often don't know what we're talking about until that morning. Yeah. Yeah. And all the all the recordings end up like three hours long. <laughs> and then from that you manage to get forty five minutes. Yeah.
Outro take three. <laughs> Go on. Outro take four. Damn it. <laughs> Thank you, Andrew, for joining us in this very interesting discussion of the Moonlight Greatsword. A uh, weapon celebrating its 23rd birthday this year. Oh, it's a fetus! That is adorable. No, it's old <laughs> enough to be, like, married with children and a mortgage. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, thanks, Andrew. We really appreciate you coming on. <laughs> You're welcome. And you have a good day. Wait! Wait! <laughs> no! No, no, no! We forgot the code word! How are these even going to be used for? What anyway? are these code words? Because I said so, Andrew. Since you're the guest, is this like an is this like an ARG or something? A what? Augmented reality like an game. Reality game. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe, Andrew. Since you're the guest, <laughs> you get to pick the code word. <laughs> All right, fine, <laughs> fine. Code word is going to be Moonlight Coconut. Moonlight Coconut, that is <laughs> just, beautiful. Just make this as absurd as possible. Awesome! Thanks for being a good sport, Andrew. <laughs> uh, I feel like we should end everything with the guest by apologizing. <laughs> Okay, so we forgot to record the shout-outs at the end, because, in Sinclair's own words, she is a fucking alcoholic. <laughs> it's true, it's true. <laughs> Who are we shouting out in this, in this outro, recorded after the other person has left? <laughs> well, shout-out to Andrew for being here. Yep. <laughs> Um, also wanted to give a shout out to Michaela. Uh, she does excellent lore in her channel and other stuff. Yep. And she does the greatest Maria cosplay. She does. Was that a question? No, I was agreeing with you. She oh, does. okay. She does. Because th that sounded a bit like she does. But. Okay. <laughs> um. So yeah, Michaela's YouTube is like youtube.com slash Michaela, which is M-I-C-H-E-L-A. And I'll link that in the description, Is she Michaela or Michaela D? In, Isn't she Michaela D on YouTube? Uh-oh. Let me see. No, it's Michaela. Oh, okay. Never mind that. Richie! Richie, yeah. why... Why are you ruining my outro? Because she's Michaela D on Twitter. Yeah. We'll just we'll cut this part out. No, I'll leave it in to show your incompetence. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> it's showing my incompetence, but also that I double check things. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Okay. So okay. shout out to Michaela. Shout out to Michaela. <laughs> uh yeah, so check out her YouTube. She has some awesome stuff there. 
Also, uh, Fumbling Forward has a really cool YouTube channel, which I will link in the description, uh, about tabletop role-playing. Yep. And it's, like, really cool. It's really well done. It's super interesting. And um, there are some streamers I wanted to mention who also do, like, really good work and really good streams, and all of them are on Twitch. And it's uh, Pawning Bronies, Scorch Knight 95, Azrael the Enkindled Angel, and um, I forgot someone. Um, <laughs> great outro. Oh, Gaming Goo. Yeah, there we go. And I'll... <laughs> I'll I'll link everyone in the description as well, so please check them out. They're really cool. And uh, oh, also, and this is what I wrote down. I wanted to mention a couple of people who got uh, the code word in the very first episode of the Snack Covenant, which was episode zero. Like I thought, I thought I should give them a shout out. Do you know that a lot of people actually got the code word, Richie? Um, I'm somewhat disturbed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, people who got the code word at episode zero, which was cat, were New Lucky, Fumbling Forward, Church, aka Parish, Bodybuilder, Skippy, Real Name, Brian Kelly, uh, Seraphus, John Nelson, uh, Xanatos, STMD, Wiggle Say, uh, Hexa, Embody, Dusan, Undra, Fallout, Mazimo, Rorik, Philippe, Michael, Animu, Marionette, Per Johansson, Hugo, Hish, Lynn, Charlene, Alexander, Miami Mice, Marty, Bandito, Afterday, and Imperial. Bravo, everyone. I'm very, very proud of you. Did you see? Code Word is awesome. Do you see how many people got it? But what does it do? I don't know yet, but one day it's going to do something and it's going to be amazing. So, yeah, just a little shout out to everyone. I think we should do this every time. Well, the thing is, you say we should do it every time and then you forget until the very end. Yeah. And then you yell, what's the code word? (laughs) Yes. Sometimes I forget completely. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Don't sound so disappointed, Richie. Well, we already said goodbye, and then you, you forgot to record this part.